0: This is lead minister Nathan Pelahowski of RSEC. I just want to welcome you to the RSEC podcast. Here's something I want you to know. I want you to know that you matter. Not because I say you matter, but because God says that you matter when he sent his son Jesus to die for us. Today I hope this message challenges you and encourages you to take your next faith Welcome to RSCC. It is awesome to have you guys here. My name is Nathan. I'm lead Minister here, and it is so good to have all of you. You guys clean up pretty good. So, you know, look at the person next to you, tell them they look pretty good. Even if they don't, you know, we can lie. So tell the person next to you, hey, you look good. Just tell them real quick. They need to hear that, right? There you go. Hey, and before we get rolling into this, it's not going to be two hours, you know. Mike was joking, but uh, I just want to say this. We have a lot of people who did things this morning who served in ways that you didn't see. We had people in the parking lot and making sure we, you didn't crash, and we had people running media that you can't see in sound. We had the musicians and the singers. We had people doing coffee hour. And can we just put our hands together for them real quick? A lot of people. And what's awesome about that is you can look, we have people from all generations serving. That's one of the reasons I love this church. And I just want you to hear this. If you hear nothing else today... We're glad you're here. You matter. We live by that phrase here, you matter, not because we say you matter, because God says you matter. We want everybody leaving here today to understanding why they matter. And really, what we're going to talk about today is a reason you matter. And why we come here today is real simple. We've come to celebrate, right? We've come to have a good time. We've come to have a conversation about something that changes everything. And really, what we came to celebrate is what Paul wrote. And here's what he wrote. It's awesome. He says this. He says, for what I received, I passed on to you as first importance. Like, it's really important. He's like, don't miss this. Here's what he said. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And we just sang songs about that. He's like, Christ died according to the scriptures. And then he was buried. He was placed in a tomb and the stone was rolled in front of it and that he raised on the third day. According to the scriptures, Paul says, we celebrate this, and what we celebrate is a risen king, a risen savior who died for your sins and died for my sins, proving that we matter. And we come here once a year on Sunday to celebrate this, but really, we believe at RICC we should live this out every single day. But what we believe most importantly, what we want you to know, and what I want you to know, is that this day that we celebrate, the day of resurrection, it changes everything. It changes everything in our stories. It changes everything in our lives. And we want you to know that. So I'll I'll lay it on the table. We believe that Jesus physically and literally lived this earth, that he walked this earth, that he was born a Virgin Mary. We believe that he literally and physically was put on the cross and killed. And three days later, he literally and physically rose from the tomb. We celebrate that. If you believe that, just put your hands together. I know you're clapping. But we believe that. And we celebrate that, and we, we live with the implication of that. At the same time, we live in the tension, understanding that not all of you who have come today believe that. I know that some of you came here today because someone in your family told me that they said, if you didn't come here today, you weren't getting KFC later today. So you're here, right? That's all right. We're glad you're here. I know some of you are here because it's easier to come here than to hear your parents or in-laws nagging you for four hours after church. Some of you are coming here because you sit next to a good-looking guy, good, good-looking girl, and you're like, hey, the only date they would come come with me to was church. So here we are, right? But whatever you're here, some of you come here to celebrate, some of you here all the time. We're glad you're here. We're gonna celebrate, and we're gonna talk today. And as we get rolling, I want to talk about this idea. I, I want to start with this: that everything around us and everything in your life is constantly changing. Right? Everything, technology changes seasons change. Everything around us is constantly, constantly, constantly changing. Right? Some of you, you, like 20 years ago, you had more hair. Some of you have less hair now. You know, In college, if I thought I had $200 in my bank account, you could have fooled me that I was Bill Gates. I go to the gas station now. I might spend $200 filling up a car, right? If you would have told me when I was younger that if, uh, you know, someone who was 31, I would have said, well, that that person's halfway dead, right? They're old. I'm 31. I feel like I still look pretty good, right? So like, things change. And I think in the human nature, things are changing around us. And so I want to do a little kind of a, a picture game for you. And I think the thing that proves change better than anything is fashion. So this is the 70s. I'm going to admit, this is a little bit above my pay grade. I don't know what any of this is they're wearing, right? I have no idea. But that's the 70s. Some of you rocked it. You look good. What's what's ironic is these shoes right here, they're coming back in style, right? People kind of dress like this. You know, I got corduroy on for 70s. All right, here's the 80s. Above my generation again, not born in the 80s. But if I'm objective, I think the 80s had the best style, right? 80s, you know, so the 80s look pretty good. And then you get the 90s, and I didn't know what to put. And so we got like parachute pants. You can do saved by the bell, right? And then, you know, and then we get 2000s. And the boy band era, everything's too big. By the way, like back in the day when this came out, I'd be rocking Bye 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 in my room all the time by In right? Justin Timberlake, you know, awesome hair, wanted the perm, but hey, that's what we wore in 2000s. And somehow we've digressed to 2022, and I kind of just put this in style, the Crocs, (laughs) right? So I don't know how we got to Crocs from all that, but we're here. But the world around us is constantly changing, and we live in this world that changes. And so many of us are used to change, but there's some things that never change. God never changes. One of his attributes is that he's unchangeable, God doesn't change. But also what we come here to talk about and celebrate today is an event that happened thousands of years ago. But the ramifications don't change in our lives ever. It doesn't matter how good the world gets. doesn't matter how dark it gets. And many of us feel the last three years have been dark. It doesn't matter how bad things get. What the resurrection means, what the resurrection brings, never changes. And it literally changes everything in our lives. But it never changes. The, the, what God did through the resurrection never changes. So what I want to do is I want to go back to that moment. But before we get to that moment, it, some of you may not know this, Jesus was doing ministry for about three and a half years, three years or so. And so he's boring, you know, Christmas, and we celebrate that. And then we're kind, he's kind of silent. We hear about him in one gospel. who's younger, you know, a young kid. But then we don't hear about him for years. But then we get the gospels, and they start telling us about his ministry. Then he picks 12 disciples and these guys are like outcasts or nobody great, but he picks these 12 disciples and he starts doing ministry and he starts doing some wild things. He starts performing miracles, and he preaches, and he teaches, and, and he casts out demons, and he does all these great works, and people who are nothing like him wanted to be with him, and these sinners that all the other church people at the time, religious people wrote off, started gathering with Jesus, and Jesus would eat meals with them, and he, he would preach to them, and he said, hey, I love you, but I love you so much that I don't want you to stay living the way you are, so people who were nothing like Jesus came to be in part of his teachings and follow him, but eventually some religious people get upset. They get upset and they're like, hey, but we don't like what he's preaching. We don't like that he's teaching that he's the son of God. We don't like that he's talking about tearing down a temple and we don't like what he's saying. So what they wanted to do is they wanted to get him arrested. So they did everything they could possibly to get this man arrested. And eventually he's arrested and he's put on trial. And the crowds could have let him go, but they cheered, no, 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 let Barabbas go. Let Barabbas go, this criminal, this man who was a criminal for his whole life and they have Jesus and they're like, no, let Barabbas go. So Jesus gets sentenced to the death on the cross, and he, he goes to the cross, the world's worst, you know, history's worst way to die. And his hands and his feet are nailed to the cross, and his mom sits at the foot of the cross and watches her son die. And the Romans want everybody to know this, that Jesus is dead. One, the gospel says they proved it by, by putting a spear through his body just to make sure he was dead. Then they took him off that tomb, the Savior of the world. They took him off that cross, excuse me, and they brought him to a man's tomb named Joseph. They put him on this tomb. They rolled a stone in front of it, and they had guards watching it so no one could be mistaken what Jesus was dead. No one could come and steal the body. But all everybody knew that day, on that Friday that we call Good Friday, everybody, no matter what you believed about Jesus, in that moment in history, everyone knew this, that Jesus was dead. What do deceased people do? They stay dead. That's where we pick up. Let's read it here. It says Early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to visit the tomb. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and rolled aside the stone and sat on it. His face shone like lightning, and his clothing was like white as snow. And the guards shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell into a faint. They passed out essentially. Then the angel spoke to the women, and says, "Do not be afraid." Right? Easier said than done, right? Easier said than done, right? Go to the tomb looking to find someone who's dead. He's not there, and now you got an angel talking to you. So do not be afraid. Easier said than done. But and he goes, "I know you're looking for Jesus." He's like, "I know why you've come here. I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified." But guess what, y'all? He isn't here. He's is risen from the dead. I love this line. Just as he said he w- would happen, come see where his body was lying. And it continues even more. And now go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And he's going ahead of you to Galilee. You'll see him there, but remember what I've told you. The women ran quickly from the tomb. They were very frightened, but also filled with great joy. And they rushed to give the disciples the angel's message. Now we know those words. But this is what we celebrate. Like, Jesus wasn't at the tomb. It was empty. And some of us have come to Easter and we hear these words. And what happens with Bible verses like this, or events like this, or days like this, is these words start to become familiar. And when they become familiar, they lose its power. And we kind of just read through them really quickly, but we don't let them sink into our lives, don't let them sink into our hearts. So, what I want to do today is I kind of want to break it down and I want to talk about it a little bit. And I'm not going to try to convince you of anything, I'm not going to try to pull a fast one on you. All I'm going to ask you to do, if you don't believe what we're about to read, what we're about to talk about, is consider. Just consider possibly, what if this is true? What if I'm talking about is true today and how it can change your life? So I got to thinking about these words that day and how my mind works. We got these two Marys and they're going to the tomb. We got these two ladies going to the tomb and they're expecting to find Jesus dead. Here's what they're expecting to do. They're expecting to pay respect to Jesus' body. Actually, they're they're, they're expecting to, you know, embalm the body some more, preserve the body some more. Why they couldn't do it on Friday is because by the time that Jesus was removed from the cross, it was later in the day and they couldn't do it. And then Saturday is the day of rest. Saturday was the day of Sabbath. So Sunday naturally would be the next day that they could go to the Savior's tomb and pay respects. But these women were faithful to Jesus these women were people who followed Jesus. They loved Jesus. They were expecting Jesus to be put on the throne, the Roman be it the Roman king, not with not not going to the tomb to see his dead body. So I've always wondered this question. How did they feel on Saturday? How did Jesus' closest followers feel? How did Peter, James, and John? Matthew the tax collector feel? The guys, the, the people who saw the miracles, heard the prophecies, saw the teaching, saw the te- you know the teachings, saw you know was with him for three and a half years. How do they feel? Well, the Bible tells us that the disciples, his closest disciples, twelve of them, right? One of them betrays him, named Judas. The rest of the eleven, what were they doing? Were they at the foot of the cross? No, they, they scattered. They, they didn't want what happened to Jesus to happen to them, so they're scattered. They're probably angry. Probably feel a little silly, like, man, we gave our entire life to this guy. He was like everybody else. He said he was someone else, and here he is dead. What are we going to do now? We left our lives for three and a half years. What are we going to do? But what we know is that they lost faith. How do I know that? Well, when I read Matthew's account and the other accounts, two people go to the tomb. Two women. None of his disciples. It's not like they're standing outside that tomb, you know, saying, all right, God, I know you're coming back. Ten. Ten. Nine, eight. God, get ready to roll that stone. Seven, six, five, right? And they start cheering. Four, three, two, one. And they celebrate and Jesus walks out. That's not what happens, is it? None of them are there. None of them are there. These girls, these ladies are there. And, you know, that's like the worst possible messenger at this time. You wouldn't want ladies to go see this. If you want a message to be spread in this culture, you wanted men to do it. Women weren't considered reliable witnesses in this time in history. So these women go to the tomb. Here's what they expect. They expect gruesome. They expect sadness. To feel defeat, but that's not what they got. So some of you, right now in your life, you're, you're expecting, expecting sadness, defeat. but gotta say that's not what I got for you. I got something else. So here's what they got. They go to the tomb. The tomb is empty, right? It says it's empty. That he's not here. And all of a sudden, an angel appears to him, and it says, "This don't be afraid." He said, "I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified." But he isn't here. He is risen from the dead just as he said he would. I love that line. Just as he said he would. The angel in my mind's like, yo, ladies, ladies, where are the disciples at? Jesus told you that he was coming. He told you he was coming back. He's like, you guys should be here waiting and celebrating. Where where is everybody? He said he's coming back, and you're not here. What's going on? I love it. In my mind, he's like, hey, ladies, 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 listen, listen. Sunday is here. It's not Friday. It's not Saturday. You see, what happened, the big mistake that the women did, the women went to the tomb with a Saturday mindset. Let me explain that. They went to the tomb expecting what they've always gotten. They ex- went to the tomb expecting what happened on Friday to still be the result of what was going on on Sunday. They went to the tomb with a Saturday mindset. And I, I bet you in the room of this big, there's some people in here who are living with a Saturday mindset. Now, I know Saturday's typically pretty good, right? Especially in the fall, we got college football, right? College football. We got college basketball and when it's a little colder out. Saturday's usually for some people are um, a day of rest. At least you don't have to work, right? It's a good day. But when we talk about Saturday today, we're talking about a mindset, a, a way of living, a way of thinking, we're living in Saturday, figurative Saturday. See, when we talk about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, here's what gets all the attention. Friday and Sunday. I'm not a, I'm not a genius, but there's a day in between, right? What's the day in between? Saturday, huh? Some of you are smart. What's the day in between? Saturday, all right. So here's what happens. Friday, what was Friday? Friday, Jesus was nailed to a cross and died. It says this, And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. He's dead. His mom's crying at the foot of the cross. His disciples are scattered. The Romans are washing their hands. Pilate's like, finally, the the religious people are going to leave me alone. The religious people are celebrating. It's Friday. It's, It's Good Friday. We know about Friday. and We know what happened on Sunday. But the day in between is Saturday. And Saturday is the day of defeat. It's the day where the stone is still in front of the tomb. It's the day of sadness, the day of doubt, the day of pain, the day of death, the day where sin seems to win. The day when everybody thought it was over. See, on Saturday, they didn't know what was coming on Sunday. And that's what the weight they carried. It was silent Saturday. You've had Saturdays, haven't you? You get that phone call, and it changes your life for the worse. You lose a loved one. Boom. Saturday. You get an email from your company. See, they don't even care enough about you to call you. They just give you an email saying, we're downsizing, and unfortunately, you didn't make the cut. Something happens in your family. Something happens at work. It's when you're struggling with addiction. You've been beating it for a while, but all of a sudden, you give back into it. Your marriage is failing. It's just a day of total defeat, it's a day of anxiety, the day of depression, the day of temptation, the day of sin. I like to say it this way for the sake of the day, it's the day of living with all the baggage. It's living life way down with the baggage. And you guys know what baggage is when you travel, right? So I'm gonna have a picture on the screen in just a second for y'all. A couple years ago, I traveled to California with my family. And something told me that it was a good idea to drive in a 15-passenger van from Illinois to California for my sister's wedding, and I would fly back. So if you've never driven from Indiana or Illinois to California, here's my best advice. Don't do it, okay? So we rented a 15-passenger van. It was going to be myself, my stepdad, my two brothers, my mom, and my grandma, right? Plenty of room for a 15-passenger van, one would think. No, 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 you never traveled with my mom. Sorry, mom. I know you're sitting here. You've never traveled with my mom. So this is a good illustration, a representation of how she packs, right? And, and so this 15 passenger van was packed. I mean, it was packed, 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 packed. It, it was, we had so much stuff. And we stopped, you know, to Illinois to California, a long drive. You gotta stop at Airbnbs and hotels. We stopped, you know, four times or so. And every time we stopped, what would have to happen? You'd have to haul all your baggage out with you, wouldn't you? Right? And so here's what the, you knew this. Your baggage is your burden. Your baggage is your burden. So if you're going to carry, if you're going to pack too much, if you're going to make, you know, a 50, 60 pound bag, you're going to, you're going to haul that around with you. Right? You're going to move it in and out of the, the hotel, unless you're my stepdad, then all of a sudden my mom's baggage is your burden too, right? I'm traveling. But your baggage is your burden. You have to carry this wherever you go when you travel. In the airport, you know, they may you may check it, but when it gets to the baggage check and and gets to you know at the end of the flight, it's still your burden until they lose it, right? It's your burden though. Your baggage is your burden. When you travel, your baggage is your burden. Same thing with life. Your baggage is your burden. And some of us come here today and we're carrying around a lot of baggage, and it's heavy. It kind of stinks, it smells bad, and it's keeping you from experiencing what God really wants you to do, what's to do in your life, or give you, or what God has offered to you through Jesus. See, I would bet, I don't know all of you, I don't want to assume anything about your life, but we're carrying around a lot of baggage that God never intended for us to haul around. And that baggage can be many different things. This baggage is actually full of some stuff, it's, but the stuff in the bag represents insecurities. Maybe it represents addiction, divorce, broken relationships with our kids, pain, doubt, depression, anxiety. It could be a number of things. But what the Bible tells us very clearly is that the Bible says that nobody has tidy, fresh baggage, right? Right? Nobody's baggage smells good. Matter of fact, there's a man named Paul who used to, used to kill Christians before he met Jesus and, and he carried around a lot of baggage in his life. Listen to what he says. Listen to what he says. He says, for all, everybody say all. All have sinned. Everybody. No matter if this is your first time here or a thousand times here, he says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Paul says, You know, all that stinky stuff you carry around in your life, all that stuff that's probably holding you down, all that baggage, it probably can be rooted back to one word, sin. And I know it's 2022, we're not supposed to talk about that, but he's like, Listen, For all the baggage you have, the root of it is sin. All that stuff you're hauling around is sin. And here, where it it applies to our life, it's like, listen, sin, the stench of sin is death. Later in the same letter in Romans, Paul says this, he says, for the wages of sin is death. Wages, this word wages is an interesting word, because a wage is something that you're naturally paid for the work you've done. So here's what Paul is saying, he says, for the wages of sin is death. So the wage of sin, that you're paid for sin, what are you paid with? You're paid with death. You're paid with death, and so what he's saying is when you sin, the result, the natural consequence, is death. He says the natural consequence of your baggage, it's death. And we carry it around, and we carry this sin, and what we're doing when we sin, we're essentially turning our backs on God. We're turning our backs on God. But the problem is, God is the author of hope, the source of life, the source of love, the source of forgiveness. And you turn your back on Him and you carry this around, you disconnect from Him. And when you disconnect from Him, death is the result. So the wage of sin is death. Think of it this way. If you have a refrigerator at your home and it gets unplugged, All of a sudden, that light in there starts to dim a little bit. Four, five, six hours later, everything starts to melt. Everything starts to thaw out in the freezer. And you walk into your house and it smells real good, doesn't it, right? Rotting meat, rotting cheese, rotting milk. It stinks because it's disconnected from the power source. And when we disconnect from God, the author of love, the author of hope, the author who changes our lives, you disconnect from God, all of a sudden you start seeing things in your life, a little bit of baggage. You, You all of a sudden become more cynical. All of a sudden, you become a little bit more hateful. All of a sudden, you start carrying around things or cu- accumulating things in your life that you don't want. Sin, addictions, lust, temptations, hate. And, and you start to carry all this around, and it starts to stink. It starts to smell bad. And, and it's holding you back in your life, and it's like you're trapped by the baggage and the luggage that you're carrying. Well, when it, when it goes back to the tomb on that first Sunday, the women went to that tomb carrying the baggage of Saturday. They went to the tomb with lack of faith, with a doubt. They carried all the pain from Saturday with them. But what they didn't see and what often we don't see is that even when God's silent on Saturday, God's still working. In Matthew's gospel, he, he, he starts off in the very first line. And see, this is why we gotta sometimes read these words slowly. It says, early on Sunday. You think that's an accident? You put there a purpose. On Sunday morning, as the what day? The new day was dawning. As the new day was dawning, God was working. And on this new day, it was the day that God, Jesus, the Savior of the world, was now here.
1: darkness when hope was restored
0: I thought you are getting out here early. We're gonna, we are gonna—we got some more preaching to do, all right? Hey, I love that song. I love the words. I hear. I'm not going to sing it for you. I was pretending I was singing over here, but my mic was off, right? But I, I hear hope calling. I see fear hiding. I hear chains falling. I see walls shaking. I hear doubt running because my God is on his way. Yes, he is coming. And the most important words, now here. That is what Jesus did on Sunday when the women went to that tomb. What it represents that Jesus was now here. And what it meant meant was that no matter how bad Saturday is, Sunday is here. That Jesus is here. And the call of Jesus says, Jesus said, yeah, you can clap for that. All right. Yeah. And the promise of Jesus is this. He says, all come to me who are weary and burdened. And our, our illustration says, all of you come to me who have baggage who have junk, who have sin, who have things in your life that's holding you back. He's like, all of you, come to me. I'll give you rest. I'll take your baggage. He's like, I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what junk is in your baggage. I will take everything that you have in your life and I'll take it. All you have to do is put your faith in me. All you have to do got some garbage down here, right? All you have to do is give your life to me. All you have to do is follow me. And here's what's awesome about Jesus. Here's, here's the claim that there is someone who is inviting you to take in the baggage check, and his name is Jesus. The world tells you, you have to carry this junk and trash, and this is who you are. Jesus said, no, something happened 2,000 years ago on the cross, and three days later, out of the tomb I walked, you no longer have to carry the garbage. I'll be your baggage check. I don't care how heavy your burden is. And here's what's awesome. He's not just talk. He lived a perfect life. He empathizes and sympathizes with us. He's been tempted in every way we've been tempted, yet He did not know sin, and He carried no baggage. But on Friday, when He went to the cross, He took your baggage and He took your junk, so you didn't have to. And He took our baggage, and He took our sin, because He knew if we kept carrying it around, if you leave here carrying it around, it's going to keep you living in Saturday. You're going to get the same results you've always gotten, but here's what's awesome. He paid the price, but he didn't just die. He rose from the dead, and now he's here. And later in that same verse, where everybody wants to focus on the sin all the time, and everybody's going to tell you, all Jesus is, all God is, is about sin and judgment. All people, the world says that, but what they skip is the same verse where it says, "Where the wages of sin is death. They skip the next part, because there's a but. At RSEC, when we say there's buts, there's big buts in the Bible, and we read them. It says, but the gift of God. Is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the but. Don't leave here with the wage of sin and the death and the baggage of death today. He said it's a gift. You know what's awesome about gifts? All you have to do with the gift is this. Accept them. All you have to do is accept the gift. All you have to do is accept the gift. So the women went to the tomb and they they talked to the angels, and this is what happens next. The women ran quickly from the tomb. They were very frightened, but also filled with great joy. Why were they filled with great joy? They were filled with great joy because Sunday is here, and the baggage is gone. And there's a man named Jesus who's willing to take your baggage. And here's what you got to do. All you have to do is say, God, I got baggage in my life. I got junk in my life. I got things in my life that keep giving me results I don't want, and I don't want to carry them with me anymore. In the Bible, Christians we call that repentance. It's changing directions. It's not just saying I don't like these things. It's changing directions, saying I no longer want this in my life anymore. And God, Jesus says, I will take it. And you don't have to work your way into it. You don't have to be a perfect person. All you have to do is admit that Jesus is the Savior of the world. Jesus says, Hey, do you believe that I rose from the dead? I'm like, yeah, Jesus, we believe that. Do you believe that I'm the Son of God? Absolutely we believe that. He's like, one more question. One more question. Do you believe and trust me enough to take your baggage? Do you trust me enough to make you Lord of your, make me Lord of your life? If you say yes, Jesus is like, I will take all that baggage for you. There's two people in this room today. There's those of us who have come in this room and we understand the experience of what it means and the freedom of, of Jesus taking our baggage. There's another group of us who, are, who come in here hauling things, carrying things we don't need to carry. And let me tell you this, no one is better than the other. So don't let make anybody make you feel bad. But some of us have come in here today still trying to carry this overpacking, accumulating junk and garbage in our lives. And all you have to do today, and we have an opportunity for you to do this, you don't have to come up here. We'll be in the back of this room and we'll talk to you what it means for Jesus to take your baggage. We'll have you confess your faith. We'll baptize you. Everything is set up so you can do that. The rest of you, you're not off the hook yet. The rest of us, we maybe experience this freedom. But over time, what we like to do is we like to accumulate junk. You know, look at your house, look at your garage, right? We accumulate junk. We start carrying things with us that we no longer have to carry. Remember that this offer from Jesus is not just a one-time offer. It's the promise that he's going to continue, the spirit of God is continuing to work in your life and sanctifying you and changing you. And you're not perfect, but God's going to continue to work in your life and Jesus is not going to leave you alone. and He's going to continually take your baggage. And here's what I want to leave you with. Final words. The resurrection of Jesus changed everything. And rather than clinging to what was, we're called to embrace what is now here. And what is now here is the savior of the world. Let's pray. God, we are so thankful for who you are. I'm so thankful for the stories in this room. I'm so thankful that you take our baggage, God. And I pray that if there's someone in this room today who needs to have this conversation, that they they don't wait any longer. They're here now. And They don't worry about what people may think or what they may see, but we have a conversation in the back of this room that will change their lives, God. Most of all, we thank you for Jesus, the King who lived the life we couldn't live and died the death that we did we deserve, but he did it because he loved us and he took our baggage and he took our sin, Father, so we no longer had to be defined by those, but ultimately we have a hope through Jesus of eternal life with you. Father, because you're the King of kings, we're going to continue to stand today and we're going to continue to praise you. In your name we pray, amen been great hanging out with you guys today. I hope that message challenges you and encourages you today. We would love to have you on campus sometime at one of our services at 8 30 or ten forty-five on Sunday or to find out more information about RSEC you can always go to the RSEC family app or follow us on any social media platform at RSEC family. Most of all remember you matter not because I say you matter but because God says you matter. Now go and be blessed.